Well, according to the clock on my computer, it's 2.20 in the morning. Oh, really? I got to change the BIOS battery. Crap, I got to get up for work in a few hours then. Uh-oh. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. So, hi everybody. Welcome once again to another episode of Pie Factory Podcast. Uh, coming to you from the Pie Factory Logistics Center in beautiful, sunny, warm, toasty Morris, Illinois. This is Jimmy G. And uh, this is Sean. Yeah, that, no, let, uh, this is, I have to put some vowels in there. This is Sean coming from Pie Factory headquarters, North Branch. And uh, yeah, uh, what episode is this? If my calculations are incorrect, this is episode 271. And if you're dyslexic, it's 314. Oh, okay. But uh, I'm not dyslexic. I'm just a little slow. Oh. So. So, Sean. Uh, how so, what episode is this then? Now I'm confused. Is 134. Uh, 134, according, okay. According to the spreadsheet, yeah. Oh. So, hey, Sean. Uh, hey. Question for you. What the heck have you been playing? <laughs> Whatever I've been playing. What the uh, heck uh, have uh, I uh, been uh, playing, uh. indeed? Really just meme stuff, honestly, because I've just, lately, I just have not really played anything at all other than what is in my MAME folder, my MAME ROMs. So, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, played Knickknack on my thumb. Oh. Yeah. Wow, there's a, <laughs> a song I haven't heard since I was a kid. Huh. Uh, this old man. Uh, oh, that's actually relevant because I am an old man now. So this old man, I played one. I played Knickknack on my thumb. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, what have you been playing in MAME, if I might ask? Anything in particular oh. other than the games we're talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. I have I played a game called Give Me a Break, actually, which was a little ah. bit tricky to do. It's a, it's a pool game. I have heard of it, yes. Yeah, and I think it uses a trackball, but I was using the touchpad. It didn't really work so well with the mm-hmm. touchpad, but I saw that, surprisingly, I was doing pretty... Uh, I was doing at least much better using the keyboard on my uh, laptop. I mean, yeah, I could plug in some real controllers and stuff, but man, these post nine eleven times, like who has the time? Yeah, in the t- in today's economy. Yeah, huh. I'm telling you, and yeah. uh, I've been playing a lot of Mister Do as well because I've Do. been kind of backing away from that unintentionally and trying to overtake my score, but I I can't, I can't, I I need more more time. More time I just know. can't play that game i just i'm just no good at it I'm, I'm not good at mini games oh that's the one game i'm good at no oh, goodness we, we've not had a we've never had a burp along with jim uh thing but why start now that's your territory oh okay so uh well why not why can't you start now i already i already stole your territory in fact i'm gonna visit that tonight that's true you have yeah. haven't you yeah so I've never been good at Mr. Do or anything, really. And it's like, the one game I actually was pretty damn good at, uh, Gyrus, I've really slipped off of that lately because I just haven't been playing oh, it man, much. I haven't played that in forever either. I, yeah. I love playing that just because of the music. Yeah, that's... The, yeah, everything else is secondary in that game to me. The game itself is great, but the, the music really sells it. Yeah. And... I mean, yeah, the game definitely is great, but man, that music. The thing ooh. that the, the thing is, most every arcade I've been to, uh, with the exception of one, is just like every other machine is cranked so loud that you can't hear the gyrus machine. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
I think I know you know the one I'm talking about that uh, has everything else at a decent uh, decent volume, so you can hear it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I recently made a trip up to Galloping Ghost. Oh, and to play Firefox, uh, which Ooh. they just got in, and yeah. it was unplugged. Ooh. I don't think it was down though. I don't think it was broken. Because from what I understand, it uses the uh, the Dexter system, which, for what I understand, has all the video files like on a hard drive or CD-ROM or something like that, hmm. and yeah. it uh, it uses that, so it's a lot more reliable than the Laserdisc. Which, uh, if people remember one of our early episodes, we talked about Firefox and uh, one of the magnets in the Laserdisc episode player. nine. There we go. And one of the magnets in the kept in the laser disc player kept falling out, and uh, and uh, the uh, the fix was uh, crazy glue or something like oh, that. Oh, actually, it wasn't episode nine. It was before episode nine. It was episode nine. We kind of live recorded me getting it working on my laptop. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So uh, so they got that, and I think they were just looking for a spot to put it in. I don't think it was actually down. Ah. Because well, of just asked. where it was sitting. You should have said, hey, I came here specifically to play this. Is it, you know, well, the if problem you ask nicely, was, especially if it's somebody you know. Yeah, that's just the thing. I really don't know much of anybody that works huh. at uh, the Ghost anymore other than Doc. Oh, that's true. Since, uh, yeah, and since Pete's Pete, going uh, Pete left. And yeah. I hope he still listens. I like Pete. Pete's a great guy. D- does he actually listen? I don't know. But yeah, Pete is no, a good guy. I know, uh, he, I know no, that he's he, a great guy. Yeah, he's away right now on a field trip to uh, Fun Spot, I believe. Oh, right. I think I did see that in his, uh, yeah. on his Facebook page. But uh, I also picked up the digital version and, and I wanted to wait, but I was impatient of uh, Atari 50 for the Nintendo Switch. Oh, yeah. Holy yeah, I was actually cow. considering getting that, but it's not available for my platform. It's on Steam. Yeah, but only for Windows. Yeah. But uh, Atari 50 is probably the best compilation ever released by any company ever. First of all, it's got about an hour of new interviews and stuff in the game. It's got a huge timeline of Atari, obviously because of how Atari was split. Games like Clax and Gauntlet are not included in it, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Yeah, that what became of Atari is a huge mess. We've talked about it before. Yeah. It still sucks because it's like, you think of Atari, you think, oh, sure, Asteroids and the 2600 and you know their home computers, but you also think of like Gauntlet and Clax. And, uh, you know, and, and of course, Beavis driving. and Butthead and Beavis and Butthead, but, um, you know, they're not the same company anymore. So nah. I, I hope they get the rights from Warner Brothers, who I think owns the license to those games to do like a DLC for the Atari 50 package, because that would make the, uh, the story complete, I think. So, uh, there's that. Oh man, maybe that could be some impetus for me to, uh. Because I, I think I mentioned before that uh, from my previous job, uh, when I was let uh-huh. go, they co- they told me I could keep my PC laptop, not my Mac laptop. Uh-huh. And I was wondering what to do with it. And somebody said, just keep Windows installed on it. And that just might be a good enough reason because, yeah. number one, I could get Atari 50 on it. And number two, I could run WinUAE, an Amiga emulator on it. And I think it now works with Amiga OS 4.1, which is like the new one. So that could be a thing. I'm still interested in getting that... Uh Amiga classic plug-and-play thing. Hmm. I don't know. But at any rate... I got to use my mister. I really do. Uh. At any rate, the uh, Atari 50 also has, like, reimagined versions of Haunted House, which is really fun. I've never really played the 2600 version really? of Haunted House. Oh, gosh, Seriously. It's, 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 it's excellent. It's excellent. I have a hard time on the levels with, like, the locked doors, but it's still huh. fun. 
Let me see. Uh, Haunted House uh, was reimagined. They have Yars Revenge reimagined. It's pretty much the same game. The only real difference is that you can swap between uh, the classic graphics and the updated graphics on the fly just by hitting a button. So that was kind of neat. Neo Breakout, which has two modes. One of them is you play a different set of levels based on different breakout games over the years. And the other one is really neat. It's a two-player version. There's mm-hmm. a line down the middle, and there's like three or four rows of bricks on each side. And then you got the left player on the left side, the right player on the right side. And every time the ball hits the row of blocks in the middle, it adds another row of blocks onto the other person's oh. other person's side, and it moves it over. And the oh. object is to push that middle wall all the way to one side of the, or the other. It's kind of like tug of war. It's really fun. Yeah, it sounds kind of like those variations on Tetris and yes. columns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the battle. There's a four-player version of combat on it. Oh, okay. So basically, tank four. Well, yeah, with updated <laughs> graphics and power-ups. Yeah. Let's see. There's a. You'll love this one. There's a game called uh, Vector Sector, which is a combination of uh, several uh, Atari vector games. Hmm. The first one is obviously Asteroids. Obviously. Actually, no, four games. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what the second one is. The no. third one is kind of a ripoff of Battlezone, even though they don't own the Battlezone uh, name anymore, which is really sad. What Years back, a company, when Atari was piecemealing its uh, assets off, one company bought two games off of Atari. One huh. was Battlezone, and the other was Math Grand Prix. Oh, if one company bought both those titles, figured the second part of that out. Let's see. The fourth one is a is a take on Tempest. Uh, the second level <laughs> is Lunar Lander. So you <laughs> so you go oh, from is lunar, it now? So you go from asteroids to Lunar Lander to a a bizarre version of Battlezone to Tempest, and then you go to the next round, which is the same levels repeated. Let's see. They have a recreation of Sword Quest Air World. I heard about that. And um, it's uh, recreated from all of the uh, the notes they found. So uh, 64 rooms. I still haven't played a Sword Quest game. You're not missing much. This one is better <laughs> than the other three, but that's really not saying much. Sure. The mini games in it are actually a lot more fun, though. Uh, not as frustrating. Uh, let me think. I want to think there was another one. Another reimagined. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but... They have games from every Atari console and computer, with the exception of the ST line, which I think I brought that up before, which yeah, kind of shocking because, uh, well, I don't know, because they, they have a better, they have a good representation of uh, other Tremiel era Atari stuff like the Jaguar, which in emulation circles, the Jaguar has been very difficult to uh, to emulate. So, of course, they have Tempest 2000 on it. Of course. But uh, they got, it's like 104 total games. Uh, five of the games are unlockable. One of them, which I unlocked, one which you unlock by going through all of the history stuff is uh, Indy 500. In this case, called hmm. Race 500, which I'm assuming for copyright reasons, for trademark reasons, because I think Indy 500 is trademarked. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I think the Sears version, the uh, Telegames the Sears, version yeah. was called Race. Yes, which is the one it? I had growing yeah. up. But uh, first of all, they have like a file that says confidential. And you go into it, and it'll give you, like, a poem, which are the clues on how to unlock some of the games. The first one I unlocked was in the Haunted House uh, remake. And uh, that one, there's a room that you have to go into, and it's a classroom, and you have to take a test and put it on the teacher's desk. It unlocked basic math. Ah! 
or quote unquote fun with numbers. So, uh-huh. Yeah, that, I'm sorry. They they slipped with uh, making that the uh, <laughs> making that an unlockable Indy 500. I get the problem I had with the I'm sorry race 500 is uh, the controls really weird to get used to with the controllers that were on it. It was the the driving controls which were paddle like, except you could keep spinning until your heart's content. But the problem with it is that you push the joystick in the direction you want to go, and it'll turn that direction. And that kind of, when you've had the experience with the original, it was kind of disorienting. Kind of like moving in Sinistar? Yeah. I didn't see if there was a way to change that, because I did notice in the combat one, which I can't remember the name of, that you can change the way that the tanks move, because by default, it's like you use the two thumbsticks, like just like battle zone up to move up hmm. both of them and you know whatever and you use the shoulder button to fire but i was able to change it to more like the 2600 combat um controls which worked a lot better what game i thought was interesting on there oh god what the hell was the name of it it was like race eight or something like that it was an arcade game it was an eight player no sprint eight sprint eight and um it's an eight player racing arcade game and it was like you had to sit it like right in the middle of, of of the floor. You couldn't put it up against the wall because there's like each side there's like two steering wheels, a pedal, and a gear shift. And the monitor was mounted flush, just kind of like a a cocktail. And you could race like up to eight players. And um, the uh, steering on that is right to go clockwise, left to go counterclockwise, or anti-clockwise, as our continental friends say. And um, I was playing that for a while. That's really, really fun. I want to find one of those in an arcade somewhere because that's a really fun game. Uh, it's just simple. I mean, it's it the, the the cars look like the tanks in combat, and the track is just dots, you know, and you got to go around them. But it was really fun, especially with even with like seven computer opponents. It's a fun game, and I really want to find that somewhere sometime. Mm-hmm. One of the big questions is why they included the pretty much unplayable uh, 8-bit version of Food Fight in the compilation instead of the 7800 version, which is way better. Yeah, I saw a screen cap of that. I thought it was the 70, or or did the graphics pretty much look identical? They're identical. It's just that the uh, the 8-bit version is extremely choppy. Hmm. It's like there's no fluid movement or anything. The compilation also includes the arcade Food Fight. How does that work on the Atari 50? Very Given the 47 direction joystick. Well, see, most controllers these days are, oh, are analog sticks, so it works very well. Nice. I would say sometimes almost too well. Huh. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's, seriously, it's really I think good. that's what I'm going to do. I think I'll leave Windows on this ThinkPad I have and try that. Uh, how, much is that how much is Atari 50? How much does it cost? Uh, I think I bought it digitally for like 40 bucks plus tax, huh. like 45 I really want to get the physical medium. Uh, for the switch though because like i said i was impatient and we didn't have enough room on the uh, sd card we had in the switch ah. so i had to put another one in there and it's just a pain in the ass so i'm thinking about spending another 40 bucks on the physical media which this is worth every freaking penny and uh oh gosh the interviews they have a ton of interviews in there i believe they also had ernest klein an uh interview with him on the uh, the compilation the guy that wrote ready player one ah oh yeah uh, yeah and um, it's just a really fun, uh, fun compilation. Again, I understand why they didn't put some games on there because of licensing or whatever. But they had, in addition to Food Fight, they also had Quantum, which are both games that were licensed from uh, GCC to Atari. 
So that was nice that they had those. They had uh, the minor 2049er games on it, which uh, I think they had it for the 5200, the 8-bit, and the 2600 all on there. They enhanced the 5200 version of of uh, Star Raiders, and hmm. it is much more fun to play on this than it w- than any other version I've ever played. And I am I've never been a huge fan of Star Raiders ever, but I really like the 5200 version they have on here. Hmm. Yeah, I, I liked it on the 2600. I was never a fan. I just there was just something about it. I thought Star Master was a lot better on the 2600, but this is really good. It's it's a great compilation and. Uh, Again, with the I don't remember if I mentioned, but Jaguar emulation is like really, really terrible because it's a really complicated piece of hardware, one of the most complicated ever created for a home console. But uh, Digital Eclipse, man, they knocked it out of the park with that. Hmm. So yeah, I still have a lot of games to play on it and figure out how to get some of the uh, unlockables. One of them, I know you have to play that four-player tank game, but I think you have to play it with all four players, which... Uh, if you don't have four controllers, that's going to be uh, kind of uh, hard to do. Uh, even harder if you don't have four people to play it with. So, I don't know. Some of the uh, freaking um, poems they have unlocked are, I just I just don't understand. But uh, okay. I was looking online to see if somebody had a, li- a, a, a set of instructions on how to unlock them, but uh, nobody does yet. I mean, it is brand new, but still, get this. It is amazing. They did a bang-up job on this. And uh, man, the CU uh, Pat on CU podcast was uh, praising this to Helen back. He was like, "This is the way you do it. This is probably the best compilation ever released," and I would have tend to agree with it. It's great. The wealth of information. They have internal documents, uh, uh, schematics, promotional flyers, uh, instruction booklets, the whole nine yards. It's amazing. So, yeah, there we go. Uh huh. Oh, and um. Well, you know what? No, I was going to say something here, but I'm going to wait and hold that off for uh, one of the games we're going to talk about tonight. Oh, boy. As I found a problem with something that I own, a product that I love, uh, but uh, it's I think it's a fault of the emulation and not of the product. So, at any rate, yeah, that's yeah, what we've been rate. up to. So We should probably get, uh, get a move on. Uh, do we have an yeah. addenda and errata? I don't think we do. I don't think we do. We haven't um, had any in a while. That's because we've been that good. We've been that accurate. We haven't left anything out. We have been so accurate. Yeah. Oh, speaking of left out, I'm not going to Midwest Gaming Classic in 2023. Oh, why? Yeah, because our annual spring break trip is going to coincide with them. And my wife told me, well, if you go Friday and stay overnight and you can come back Saturday, it's like, no, no, everything happens on Saturday. Yeah, that's not really worth so it. So I said, no, I'll just I'll just forget it this year. Hope that oh, they wow. have it again I was, next I'm year. I'm thinking about going. So. Oh, I might go. My, my daughter I was really looking it. forward to playing Werewolf with guys, with, uh, guys Games and Beer. Did I do that the one time? I don't think I did. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about... I'm, every year I'm I kept saying, that. okay, this year I'm going to play Werewolf with them, because they, they start it like right after the show ends, and I hear it goes on to like 4 a.m. <laughs> oh, jeez. And I was like, man, I just want to sleep tonight. Yeah, anyway. I, I guess that I'm gonna probably I'm going to try to head up. But anyway, um, Jimmy G... um. I'm kind of thirsty. Oh? Yeah, so can we open up Sean's Drinking Arena? Why, yes, we can. So for this installment of Sean's Drinking Arena, we're going a little bit more mainstream than usual. I'm not going to get one of those weird things from uh, where I usually get one of those weird things. From the Froku bit place? 
yeah, the Froku place I, I did not go to. Um, I should. I, maybe I'll go tomorrow for my lunch break. Oh, well. But instead, I have Coca-Cola Dream World. Oh, God. <laughs> I think my daughter tried this recently. All right. So this is not the, uh, the sugar-free version. This is the regular version. It's dream-flavored. I've never had this before. Just opening the bottle now. I'm going to pour some in this glass that I have from Junior's in New York City. Got some ice. Yeah, Junior's in New York City, probably one of the only three, only of, of only three places I've been to in New York where you can actually get an, a decent meal. But, okay. All right, already it smells weird. It smells like a candle. Now it smells like Jell-O brand gelatin. Hmm. Yeah, this is going to be weird. Hmm. Hmm? Okay, I know what this tastes like. I know what this tastes like. When I was in grade school, probably around fourth grade, at lunchtime, we, we would eat in the gym for lunch, and in the kitchen for lunch, they would serve hot lunch if you bought hot lunch, and if you didn't brown bag your own. And right outside the kitchen, they had a drink dispenser. And uh, you could pay like 50 cents and get a cup of some kind of soda, or as we say in the Midwest, pop. And um, if you told the person working at the drink dispenser, I'd like a suicide, they would give you a little bit of everything in the same cup. Mm-hmm. This is what that tastes like. This tastes like what we call a suicide. We call it a kamikaze. Ah, which is really kind of a very specific form of suicide. suicide. So, hmm. yeah, that's what this tastes like. It tastes like basically all of the drinks from the tap. Uh-huh. It's not bad, but it's not worth more than one drink. It's like you have it once, and then you don't have it again. Mm-hmm. So, there you have it. Oh, I'm biting my tongue on not trying to say something there. But, at any rate, um, so... Shall we close the door on Sean's drinking arena? Yeah, let's uh, close said door. Let us close. Now, uh, we do have some feedback, but uh, as per usual, I think we will uh, we'll save those to the end of, yeah. uh, of the episode. And it's a very special feedback episode tonight because we've yeah. got a new feedbacker. Somebody yeah. who's uh, somebody everybody knows who listens to any sort of video game podcast. Everybody should know. And he's a podcaster himself too. Yeah, so. yeah. We'll get we'll get to that in, in about ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, somewhere um, between ten minutes and an hour. So, I think it is time to start our oh. our epic journey into I don't know whatever it is we do. <laughs> so, Vija games, Vija games. So you know what? Let's start yeah. with Arkanoid. Okay, that sounds start, good to let's, me. Let's start with a bang. Such as it were. So yes, Arkanoid is from Taito from 1986. And um, the object of the game, and I'm going to read the uh, what was in the manual from the NES port. Spoiler. Oh. <laughs> there was a port on the NES. But I have a little bit more to say about that in a moment. <clears throat> Their Earth-like planet was devastated by a brutal attack of aliens. The survivors roamed the galaxy on their photon spaceship Arkanoid in search of a new home. The Arkanoid is attacked and the survivors barely escape in the Vaz spacecraft. Instead of finding safety, they are now trapped in a deadly space labyrinth. 
If they are to be saved, you must summon all your courage and skill to shatter the space walls and defeat the merciless enemy forces. So basically, it's a version of Breakout. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All that build up for such a for such a letdown. But um, so basically, Arkanoid is a fraud. Well, I wouldn't say it's a fraud. It's a fun oh. fraud. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, it's basically expansion of the breakout formula. This time, there are power-ups in the game, and uh, there are objects that wander the screen that your ball can hit, and if the ball hits it, it'll destroy the uh, the object, and it'll change the trajectory of the ball. If your paddle, or I'm sorry, if your Voss, well, uh, hits uh, one of these objects, it destroys the object, but not the Voss. The only real way to die is to miss the ball. Hmm. Oh, by the way, a little update. Huh. After a few more swigs, this stuff kind of starts to taste like a worn sock that hasn't yet been laundered. Uh. Anyway, uh, Arkanoid, you were saying? Continue. Yes. Uh, on okay, level 33, there's level 33, there's actually a boss character. Hmm. And you know what the boss character's name is? Don't! Don't! And, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm running it a little bit hot. Lo- <laughs> yes. It looks like a uh, like one of the Easter Island. Uh, what do they call them? Mao Maui, Maori, Ma- Ma- or something? Something like that. Yeah, uh, one of the big statues from Easter Island, and that's the second video game those uh, that character has uh, appeared in. The other one was Arkanoid Two, Gradius. Oh, yes, that was like the second or third round. I can't remember, but um, so the, basically in that screen, you basically just got to hit the ball against. Uh, against the character many times he's shooting down uh, projectiles at you and after that the game's over no matter what you do now i have a thing here about as i did play this game normally and with cheats uh first thing i have to say the pedal and driving controllers uh with the uh vision adapter d9 do not work on arkanoid unfortunately Ah, okay and uh, this was uh, spelled out on their website but it, i think it's a problem with the programming of the game or the, the actual way that the, the paddle and the uh, driving controllers are built, I don't think it's an issue with the D9. Because uh, I used the D9 and a trackball on Arkanoid, and it worked well. But for whatever it's worth, there you go. But uh, what I'll do is, before I have something interesting I found with the cheats on, I'm going to tell you hmm. what the power-up capsules look like. Ooh, yeah. Well, first of all, the control panel is you got a dial. And a fire button, one on each side of the dial. So it's by. So oh, nice. The power-up capsules, you got an orange one with an S on it. It slows the movement of the ball. There's a pink one with a B on it. The B stands for break. And this opens the warp escape, which makes you advance to the next round. There's a yellow slash green one. It's got a C on it. This uh, is for catching the ball and releasing it. There's a red one with an L on it. This gives you laser firepower. That's what the fire button's for. And that's a very handy thing to get, exception on some levels. Yeah. The way they design these levels, I'll get to the different points for the bricks in a moment, and you'll understand why. But uh, light blue is uh, has a D on it. That stands for disrupt, which splits the energy ball into three, uh, three separate balls. There's a gray one with a P, which uh, gives you a free life. And there's a dark blue one. It's got an E on it, which uh, lengthens... The Voss ship. Extend. Extend. Now, here's no. the scoring. At least there's points for the bricks. I wasn't didn't see if there were any points for hitting one of the uh, the items that uh, fly around the screen. Uh, a white brick is 50 points. Orange brick is 60. A cyan brick is 70 points. 
Green brick is 90, red is 100, blue is 110, violet's 120, yellow brick is 50, and a silver brick is worth 50 times the stage number you are on. Ooh. So that's neat. Tenth stage, if you can get to it, which (laughs) the tenth stage is difficult as hell. Yeah, because all the other ones are easy. Well, a lot easier than this one. But uh, so, yeah, that's 500 points. You get to 20. Now you'd be raking in the points. Oh, and there's also gold bricks, which cannot be destroyed. So as far as I was saying about playing this, as everyone knows, I play the game on cheat to see what I can see. And I also play it regularly. I was playing it with the um, the cheat on where it has that warp escape open on every level. Oh. And I got to do, do which is level 33. And the gate was open, which it's not supposed to. Uh, I found out something neat. If you have the that cheat open on that screen and you go into the gate, every screen past then, all of the bricks are randomly positioned and randomly colored. Really? However, you can't play the rounds. The second you hit the button, you blow up. <laughs> <laughs> so you can keep going through the warp gate and seeing what you can up until I think about level 40, maybe 45 when the whole machine crashes. All right. So basically once you defeat, oh, it's considered over. Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. There are some interesting trivia with the game. Hmm. There is a unused song in the game's ROM. I saw this on uh, arcade-history.com. They have a little screen where you can listen to the music and there's an unused song. Now, if you edit the cheat file, according to Cutting Room Floor, there are three different uh, things you can unlock. Uh, One is uh, the staff credits. You can unlock the the staff credits in the ROM. There's an unused round for level 33, and the speculation on that one is if uh, the dough level doesn't uh, properly load, it will uh, back up to this one. Or not back up, it'll load it as a backup. And there's a hidden level editor in the game's ROM. Now, it's unclear if you can actually save the level. Sure. If you play the level and you complete it, the machine crashes, but it's still really cool that there's a legitimate level editor in the game's ROM. That's insane. Mm-hmm. The only other game that had something like that was uh, was iRobot, where it had the Doodle City. And, yeah, uh, yeah. But that was meant to be accessed by the public. So there were two C- arcade sequels. Oh, there were two? Two of them. Uh, oh, Arkanoid okay. Revenge of Don't, which I actually had on my Atari ST, and Arkanoid Returns. I did not know about that second one. Yep. Yeah, there was two console ports. There was one on the NES, and it came packaged with the Voss controller. And I remember I had this when I had an NES way back That's when. That's right, yeah. And uh, that, was a, that was a nice little controller, actually. Hmm. It wasn't as good as the uh, 2600 paddle, but it was still a damn good controller. It had a nice, uh, hefty feeling to it. There was a version of Arkanoid for the SNES, but I think that was more more sequel-ish than anything because the levels don't, I don't remember them looking like the arcade. Oh yeah. Hmm. And it was, you only did it with the game pad, which, you know, game pad. Oh, that was one thing I forgot to mention about um, the, uh, the Neo breakout on uh, the Atari 50. Since you're using the, the, the joystick, cause there's no, uh, no paddle controller for it. If you hit one of the shoulder buttons, it'll briefly speed up the paddle a little bit so that uh, you can huh. get to the ball. So I did forget to mention that, but there was a ton of computer ports of this game. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's like one computer here I had never heard of before, a couple of them, actually. Uh, the NEC PC-8801 in Japan, the NEC PC-9801, the Atari ST, MS-DOS, the MSX, which the MSX also came with uh, the Voss controller, and that mm. was both in Japan and the EU. 
uh, the BBCB, the Thompson T07, which I had never heard of, uh, the C64, the ZX Spectrum, the Atari 800, which was only in Europe. Let's see, and there were four different versions of it on the Amstrad CPC by different companies, by Imagine, by Ocean, by Les Defis de Taito, and Taito Coin-Op Hits. I wonder if that's the same one, just different language. The Thompson M05, which I'd never heard of. The Thompson T08, which I'd never... M05, I should say. Then the T08, because one's a number, one's a letter. The BK11M, which I have never heard of that one. In fact, Hmm. you know what? No. BK11M. Let's see what this thing is. Ooh. It's a series of 16-bit PDP-11 compatible fanless home computers developed under the Electronica brand by NPO Scientific Center. Okay, that has to be the most unusual computer that one of the games we talked about was ported to. Here we go. Here's a picture of it. Oh, actually, I'm going to... Let me see. uh, Especially for something as relatively new as Arkanoid. Oh, First released in 1984, developed in 1983. They are based on the K1801BM1, the Soviet LSI-11 compatible CPU, and were the only official government approved and accounted for in economic planning Soviet home computer design and mass production. Wow. That's interesting. (laughs) Holy cow. Holy cow. I'm going to copy the Wikipedia page and send that to you. I'm going to read this a little bit later. We'll uh, link it in the show notes, too. Yeah. Wow. I think that's the first arcade port we've heard of on an, a Soviet computer, uh, exception of Tetris, which that just wasn't, that wouldn't, that I wasn't wouldn't even count that. Cause yeah, yeah, that was the original. Yeah. The arcade version was more of a port than there we go. Else. You should have it. So where are my Ooh. notes again? Oh, here we are. So, and then, uh, finally the acorn Archimedes. Of course. Now there was an updated version of Arkanoid called Arkanoid Eternal Battle. For Windows, uh, the Switch, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series XS. And that was just released last month. Oh, okay. October of 22. So uh, I'm going to say something I haven't said in a while. So you got that going for you. Hmm. And that is all I have to say about Arkanoid. So, Sean, do we have scores? Uh, yeah, we do, actually. And this is going to get kind of uh, twistified here because with Arkanoid, there are different ways you can play the game. So they have kind of different tracks. For example, on Twin Galaxies, they track both normal and tournament mode. So um, let's see, for normal settings, Zachary Hempel submitted on March 13th, 2000, scored. And I can't imagine you can actually score much more than that, given that the game comes to an end. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Peter Cook has the tournament settings Twin Galaxies record at uh, 1,158,560. And uh, that was performed a year ago, almost to the day that we're recording this, November 17th, 2021. And uh, the other scoreboard that I like to refer to, um, that would be Orcade.com, A-U-R-C-A-D-E.com. It uh, pretty much reflects that. It has uh, Zachary Hampel as the uh, standard points scorer. Again, 1,658,110. Submitted May 29th, or performed May 29th, 2000. For tournament mode, 
Orcade.com is listing a score that was performed during the 14th Annual Classics Championships. Justine Brown on June 1st, 2012 scored 951,490. And uh, there's also a track here for two-player co-op alternating levels mode. And um, looks like they are crediting that to Steve Wagner and Brendan O'Dowd three years ago, almost to the day we're recording this, November 22nd, 2019, with a score of 748,440. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Congratulations, all. Yes. Congratulations all around. I'm going to buy you all a beer. Mm. Well, maybe not. Just some people might not. Uh... Yeah, like we like we heard from a friend of ours who said, hey, let's have a root beer. We, we talked about that last episode, I think. Yeah, let's did. have a root beer someday. I don't really like to drink. So it's like, okay, yeah. Okay, I have to interject here with something. Um, I was just uh, sending you that link on Facebook. And uh, you know whose birthday is today? November 2. Oh, shoot. Yesterday was my uncle's birthday, and I forgot to wish him a happy birthday. Jerry Buckner. Of Butler oh, and Garcia. Okay. Yeah, so that, I I'm going to have to write on air happy birthday. Happy birthday. From your friends at Pie Factory Podcast. I need to listen to that episode again. It was nice to actually get to talk to him. Well, we didn't really talk to him. Well, but... no, he recorded for us, but still, <laughs> it was kind of nice. That was really cool up. to get that. So, happy birthday, Jerry Buckner. It's amazing the hoops that we had to go through to get that from him. We had to say, hey, could you record something for us? He said, like, oh, okay, yeah. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean, what do you think of Arkanoid? I really enjoy it. I, I really do. It uh, is having, fun. having said that, it also pisses me off a lot. Mm-hmm. It's one of these games when you're either going to be on a really cool streak or you're going to absolutely suck at it. Having said that... When I've been on a really cool streak and I felt I did a really, really good job, I found that uh, most people that I see in these scoreboards <laughs> exceed my best score by over a million. Mm-hmm. So you got that going for you. Now it's my turn to use that. Um, but I mean, it's it's just a lot of fun. It's a great little addition to the breakout formula. I love mm-hmm. the power-ups. And um my brain isn't functioning right now because I had a really busy weekend mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're recording this on a Sunday night. I don't remember if you mentioned this, but something to keep in mind is that you're only allowed one power up at a time. Like you can't combine oh, yeah. power ups. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is true. If you have, say, the laser power up and you get the slowdown power up, your laser is going to disappear. Your paddle is going to revert to normal. And some levels. The power-ups are effective on all levels with the exception of the laser because, first of all, the laser is the best power-up because you can just well, boom, you know, keep hitting it and just blow through a level, especially if it's especially good if you don't have that many uh, bricks left to do. But there are levels where you have to get the ball like in a narrow corridor uh, that's formed by the gold unbreakable yeah. ones. The laser is just not going to work on those levels at all because even if there's like one brick at the top that is destructible, the lasers won't get up there. So I love the lasers. I try to get it on every screen except that one, except those. And those are the levels that I find that I get them the most. Well, yeah, that's the way it goes. And I don't know. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the lasers. I mean, I, they are useful for certain situations, but the thing is one thing you got to remember is that only one power up is going to fall at a time. Uh-huh. So if you keep shooting these bricks away, that's less chance of getting another power up. 
like something really useful, like a B or a P. Those are my favorites right there. Because mm-hmm. I, I love when the uh, B power-up comes up, because when the little side door opens and you go through it, you're actually racking up a few bonus points, too. Oh, heck yeah. So mm-hmm. that's a good deal. And of course, the P is always a nice thing to have, because, hey, you get an extra life. Especially if you drink too much. Especially if you drink too much, which I'm doing right now. It's nice to have a pee after that. Because I just had a big uh, pint of iced tea full of ice, and now I'm having a Coke Dream World full of ice. Unsweetened iced tea, I hope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did have some sweetened iced tea this morning, but... (gasps) Hey, I like sweetened, but I also like unsweetened. I I can't do sweetened. But we've had that discussion before. Speaking of which, this might be considered an addendum or an erratum. (laughs) No, it's an erratum, actually, not an addendum. Because before I talked about how there are a couple of places in Chicago that I like to go and their iced tea is uh, some kind of blueberry iced tea. It's not. It's actually passion fruit. But it's really? amazing. It is I remember you mentioning, mentioning this. It was up by Retrocade, right? No, no, no. This was a Weber Grill restaurant. And, oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Dock, I remember. Yes. The dock at Montrose Beach. Um, it's, I think it's called China Mist. I think that's what it is, because I asked uh, the I'll server once, that. I said, hey, what's what's the name of the tea you guys serve? He said, it's uh, China Mist. I don't think you can get it anywhere. I think it's only a restaurant. No, you can get it anywhere, actually. You can go online and get a bunch of it. But I found a place in uh, downtown Morris that sells uh, specialty teas Ooh. and uh, bought uh, apple cinnamon tea, which is so good. Ooh, I'll bet it is. And uh, By the way, China Mist, uh, we are open to sponsorship. I just want oh, you yes. to put that out there. So, yeah. So, as far as... Uh, as, far as We don't do with- nudity, though, so... Not yet, anyway. Yeah. Um, as far as Arcanoid goes for me, uh, I really enjoy this one a lot. I One thing I did like, do like about Super Breakout over this is how Super Breakout has the option for the advancing walls, which I really oh, love I a love lot. Oh, I love that one. Game yeah. seven. Yes. But uh, you know what? This game is trying to do its own thing with the Breakout formula. So, you know, mad respect. Yeah. <laughs> mad props. <laughs> and um, graphically, it's fine for what it's doing i mean there's no need for special way out graphics on this one there's only so much you can do with a breakout formula and the sounds are uh, are fine i like this the little ping sound uh when the ball hits a brick i love the sounds in the game in general it's really well done i think yes it, it definitely is but you know you don't need to be spectacular if the game itself is fun and this is just a fun sure. fun game I don't think it's a, a number five fun for me, but I will rate it <clears throat> a four. And uh, yeah, so. I also am going to rate it four continues out of our one to five continue scale. Inclusive? Inclusive, yeah, of course. If it weren't inclusive, we could only rate it two, three, and four. Yeah, that's true. That's true. In fact, next time I play this, I'm going to continue because I think it does have continues on it, I believe. In fact, yeah. Yes, it does. It's a weird way to continue the game, but I actually kind of like it. Because is this isn't this one of these games where you kind of have to hold something down? I don't remember. Like you have to hold down player one and hit start at the same time. I just played it tonight, and I don't. Yeah, remember. I, I don't know. Next time I'm at an arcade that has it, uh, which should be in a few days, actually, from when we're recording this, I will check it out. But uh, Jimmy G, uh, did you talk about when you? When did you first? Oh uh, no, I did not mention that. Yeah, the first time I ever played this was uh, at. Putt-Putt Golf and Games on Essington Road, Joliet, Illinois. Uh Uh-huh. No longer there. No longer there. It's amazing how I can remember this and not remember to take out the garbage. Hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, my first time playing Arkanoid, there's a little bit of a story behind it. Oh, please share. Because uh, the first time I ever played any version of Arkanoid that was actually called Arkanoid, it was the Commodore 64 version. Uh-huh. Our friend Andrew, who was a guest on this podcast in our special BBS episode. That was a fun episode. Yeah. When we were seniors in high school, he sold me his Commodore 64 collection. That was like a crap ton of floppy disks that had uh, software of various legality on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, his 1670 1200 baud modem. One of the games... In that big, huge pile of floppy disks was Arkanoid. But when I was going through the disks, I, I kind of procrastinated on that because I misread it. I thought it was called Arachnoid. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, I this must be. I say that. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, this must be some kind of like, like shoot em up that involves spiders or something. It doesn't really sound all that fun. But one day, just for the hell of it, I loaded it up just to see if at least it would work. And that's how I discovered Arkanoid. And I was like, oh, this is a breakout kind of game. And I was really digging it. The Commodore 64 version of it was really, really good. And uh, a year or two later, I also played the uh, Amiga version, which was also really good. But the first time I played the arcade version of it, that was, again, when I was a senior in high school, right before graduation. Um, I'm guessing this is a kind of a semi-common thing that high schools do. Where I went to high school, senior night, or sometimes they called it project graduation, it was basically an all-nighter, either at the school or somewhere else. And ours was at the, I think it's the Gallowich YMCA? Is that the one that's really far west in Joliet? Uh, I think that's the one over by the municipal airport. I think that's where we had it. I think that was the uh, the Y where we were. And uh, not long before it was time to go home, I found that they had an Arkanoid cabinet there, just sitting out randomly. And that was not only the first time that I played that, but it was also when I first learned that Arkanoid was an arcade game. I didn't know it had an arcade version of it because I was just used to the home computer version of it. So that was a a learning experience. But hey, at least I knew what I was doing. I popped a quarter in it and I was able to play for a while. But yeah, that was was how I burned my Arkanoid V-Flag. Very well. Yep, I burned it really well. He blowed up real good. So I think with that, we should uh, go to uh, one of our underwriters, one of our sponsors. Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, so... and I'm really excited about this one. Oh, me too. So why don't we uh, head right into it? Yeah. We wish you a merry fitness. We wish you a merry fitness. We wish you a merry fitness and a happy new you. Shape up. Slim down. Get fit and have fun. Two people can join up for the price of just one. Start shaping up for 1985 now. Call Jack LaLanne and get two six-month memberships for the price of one. Two people can join up for the price of just one. Well, sign me up, won't you? Oh, yeah, especially for the holiday season. Who doesn't want to look like Jack LaLanne? I know, especially oh, by nowadays. The way, did you ever see, there was an episode of The Man Show where Adam no. Carolla <laughs> actually went to interview Jack LaLanne? Because at the time, Jack LaLanne was well into his 90s, and he was uh, hawking this uh, this juicing machine on uh, infomercials. <laughs> and Adam Carolla was putting hot dogs and cream-filled donuts <laughs> and all this, all this stuff into the juicer. It was classic. And then, Man. of course, he drank it at the end. <laughs> that, <laughs> was, was Jack LaLanne present? Oh, he was there. He's like, oh my you god. Can, he was like, you could drink that heart attack if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was that was great. 
Uh, say what you will about the show. That was a great bit. <laughs> yeah, I never watched that. I was like, what? this doesn't sound like fun at all. Like, bring back uh, Win Ben Stein's <laughs> money, man. <laughs> yeah, that juicer bit was worth watching that yeah. episode for. So at any rate, so anyway. what are we talking about now? We're talking about Portman, and I'm going to confess right now, I thought we were done with the episode, and it's like, oh, that's right, we got to talk about the other game. <laughs> so I was kind of blindsided almost, <laughs> and I shouldn't have been. If the Portman has shoes, if he has feet, does that mean he has a Portman toe? Yes, Jim. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct, but, sir. Anywho, uh, let's talk about Portman. And in fact, before I get into the details of the game, I'm going to talk about why I suggested this game for a upcoming episode. You're a masochist? Something that I find myself doing at Galloping Ghost. I don't go there very much. I go there maybe a couple of times a year. Maybe I should go more. I don't know. But... They have so many, they're over 900 games right now. Mm -hmm. And um, it's getting to the point where you cannot do it all in one day. <laughs> well, it never really was that way as far as I remember. It depends on what you're into. Like if, you, if your scope of interest in different varieties of games is not as huge as some other people, yeah, you could do it in one day. I could do it in one day easily. Mm -hmm. But if you like all kinds of games, yeah, you, you're going to want to make multiple trips there. But something that I do a lot is I'll see out of the corner of my eye some game that I'd never heard of that looks like it might be interesting. And uh, I'll take a picture of the marquee with my phone. And mm -hmm. this was one of them. And actually, I did give this a try when I was there, too. But uh, anyway, getting into the game itself, Portman, also known as Docman, was released in March 1982 in Japan by Taito. And um, Docman is what it's called in Japan, actually. In North America, where it's distributed by... No uh, that sounds like present tense. Where it was distributed by Nova, it was called Portman. This is a highly unusual game for really any time. It's a, a weird premise well, maybe not the premise is weird, but I think the circumstances around it are weird. There is a ship that kind of floats on the ocean, and it kind of drifts back and forth across the screen. And above the ship, there's this conveyor belt that has these package bundles. Some bundles have one package, some have two, some have three. Every lap that the conveyor makes, there is a package bundle that falls, and your character has to catch the package bundle by pressing the button on the control panel that doubles as a catch and throw button. And then after you catch that bundle, you have to mm -hmm. throw it up in the air so that it lands on that ship that's kind of drifting back and forth. And uh, there are, I believe, four berths, B-E-R-T-H, by the way, four or five, I think there are four. And you have to make sure that that package lands in a berth. And of course, because the ship is constantly moving back and forth, you have to time your throw right. If the package bundle does not land right in the berth, it'll be knocked off the ship. In the meantime, there are some obstacles getting in your way. There is this man, I don't know what his job is, what his purpose is, what his name is, but there's this guy up on the ship or near the ship who kind of walks back and forth randomly across the screen, and he'll throw a rock at you, and you have to dodge the rock. Down below where you are, where mm -hmm. you're receiving the packages and tossing them up, 
there are luggage carts that will eventually start moving kind of semi-slowly across the uh, the screen, and you have to avoid those things. Uh, I found, by the way, that if you touch a luggage cart when it's not in motion, you'll mm-hmm. be okay. But if it is in motion, you lose a life. You get three lives. And basically, your job is to make sure that all of the berths on the ship contain a full stack of packages. There should be four packages per berth. If you run out of packages before all of the berths are full, the game is over, regardless of how many lives you have. Mm -hmm. If you manage to fill all the berths properly, you advance to the other screen. This is a two-screen game. The second screen, there are rows of packages of dynamite on the top of the screen, and you have to throw... What the hell is it that you throw? Is it a ball or something? I don't Mm -hmm. know. You have to throw a ball up to the screen and knock the dynamite packages down one at a time, and you have to catch them. If you do not catch a dynamite package, it'll land on the ground and blow up, and it will take away one row of the ground, and it'll expose you to, I think, fire. And if you touch that fire, you lose a life. Uh, just as an FYI, I've never seen the second screen. So. <laughs> it took me a long time to see the second screen, by the way. Also on the second screen, you have that same guy from the first screen throwing stuff at you. Or do you? Actually, or is it a different guy? There, there's a different guy, I think, who comes out running onto the screen and he throws stuff at you. I, oh, you know what it is? No, he not, he comes out and he knocks another box of dynamite down so you don't have to. Uh, it's... Could be a hindrance, could be a help, but you got to watch out for that because you don't want the dynamite to fall down because it could put you in danger. If you get all the dynamite down without losing all your lives, then you go back to the ship screen. There's some interesting things that happen sometimes too. I mentioned how you have to get four packages in each of the berths, and I also mentioned how the packages are sent to you in bundles, bundles of one, two, or three. Each of those different types of bundles is in a different color. If you fill a berth with all of the same color, the guy who's on the boat throwing things at you, he'll fall Mm -hmm. overboard and you'll get a 200 point bonus. At the end of the round, if you manage to successfully throw all the packages in their berths, well, I should say if you fill all the berths, because there are going to be some packages that don't make it to the berths if uh, if you fill up the berths early then what happens is some lady walks out on the ship and pushes that guy overboard. Mm -hmm. I don't know who this lady is. I I don't know what the the reasoning is there. And uh, something that is actually kind of helpful. When I first played Portman, I did not know this. But if perhaps you have a berth that has room for one more package, you can actually fill that berth with any size package bundle. If there's only room for one package, if you throw up a bundle of three, it'll still land in the berth properly. It's just that the two that can't fit, they'll just be knocked off in the land in the water. But it'll still fulfill what you're supposed to do. So uh, that's a that's a pretty cool feature. And also, I talked about how you have these luggage carts that might be moving mm-hmm. across the screen at the bottom. If you hit a luggage cart with a package, it freezes. It's kind of like uh, some of the enemies in Donkey Kong 3. It uh, temporarily freezes. I don't know if it's safe to touch a luggage cart that's frozen at that point. Um, I never 
thought of trying it. So uh, I I don't know what what else to uh, say beyond that. Um, and um, what else do I have to say? Uh, that's pretty much it. I can talk about the scoring. There is a bonus timer that starts at 2000, and I have not been able to figure out what makes that bonus timer deplete. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's time that passes. I don't know if it's uh, the number of times you miss a package that you catch. By the way, you don't. You, the only way you lose a life, really, is if you're hit by some kind of enemy, be it a moving luggage cart or a rock that that one guy throws at you or something. Mm -hmm. uh, if you miss a package, it'll bounce once, and if you don't catch it on that bounce, then you just plain lost the package forever. Having said that, I have not been able to find out hardly anything about this game. There's just not much out there. But if you catch a package bundle before it bounces, you get 10 points. But here's the thing. Um, you get 10 additional points for each consecutive successful non-bounced catch. So if you catch a package bundle, you get 10 points. If you catch the next one, you get 20 points. If you catch the next one, 30 points, etc. And it maxes out at 50 points. If you miss a package bundle, the scoring resets back to 10 for the next catch. If you successfully toss a package bundle into a berth, you get 20 points per package. On the second screen where you have to throw the ball at the dynamite, you get points for the catches that you make. There are three rows of dynamite. If you catch a dynamite, I think from the very top row, you get 10 points from the middle row, you get 20 points. And for the bottom row, you get 30 points for each package. Okay. So there's not a lot of scoring going on in this game, really, which makes me uh, wonder how in the hell people have gotten the scores that they have reported on the, the uh, two main scoreboards that, uh, that I like to look up. Also port man, there are a couple of recognizable tunes in there. For one thing, during the dynamite screen, the music that plays in the background is called, um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this correctly. It is a Russian piece of music called, I think, Korobinicki. Does that name sound familiar, Jimmy G? It does not. It is better known as the main theme music from Tetris. Oh, I did not catch up on that. Yeah. There's an addendum for whatever episode we talked about Tetris in. I don't... Do you know the episode? Do you have it on your spreadsheet? Yeah, but I can't be arsed to look. Okay, well... But you know what? I'll do that just for you. Aw. I'm nothing if not a sucker. Let's see, when did we talk about Tetris? It wasn't terribly many episodes ago. Maybe in the last year or two. Considering we've been doing this podcast for seven and a half years. Way back in episode 88. Episode 88. Oh, okay. So it was farther ago than I thought. Yeah. I thought it was more recent too, but we did that. Uh... Well, we were doing more frequent episodes back then. That's probably why. True, true, yeah. true. True, but true. Yeah, and also when you lose a life, you get, you know, the, the main riff from Chopin's Death March, you get like the second half of that riff when you uh, lose a life. Oh? Yeah. It might throw you off or it's like, wait, that sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, it's the uh, Chopin Death March. Huh. But I've played this a couple times and I don't remember that. But um, as for the other pieces of music, I really don't know. I don't know. In fact, I'm just learning long after the fact that a lot of the music that's in these games we're talking about 
is from known like classical renaissance mm-hmm. romance uh baroque composers license free music yep yep license free and they don't uh, pay anybody to write it so yeah but anyway that's pretty much what i have to say about port man other than uh port man apparently was available in both upright cabinets and cocktail cabinets so and the joystick is a four-way joystick yeah you got to be drunk to play this game D- really well tell me tell me more jimmy g tell me more I hate this game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you would. I really did because I'm thinking, man, this is a Jim's going to hate this. I hate this game. <laughs> the biggest thing is I can when when a package hits the ground and it bounces, I can never tell which direction it's going to bounce. Yep, and yep. I always find myself running in the opposite direction of that the package goes in. Or if it's near the edge of the screen when it falls, I know the direction it's going to go, but I can never make it to the package in time. And uh, yeah, I hate this game. If you could catch, if, if <laughs> I understand that it'd be easier if you could just catch the package on the way down. I get yep. that. Yep. But I don't know. It just doesn't make much sense to not be able to catch it. I, I don't <laughs> know. I hate this game. it's ugly to look at the sound is bad it's i hate it the graphics are kind of weird weak it's weak sauce (laughs) yeah it is really frustrating especially when you first play the game you're trying to figure out the timing of the catches now the thing that i've learned about the second screen though at least something that I do a lot is I continue I am constantly hitting the catch button because at that point the only thing you're gonna do you can't really do that on the first screen because you really don't want to keep repeatedly hit that button because you want to throw it when you're in the right alignment on the second screen it doesn't matter because the when you throw the ball up it's eventually gonna hit a box of dynamite no matter what so it is pretty much worth it to just constantly hit that uh, throw catch button on the second screen again i've never made it that far (laughs) and i got i got a feeling you don't care to play it long enough to get good enough to make it to that screen no not really (laughs) i think i'm done with this one i think this must (sighs) i think this is the game i hate the most out of all the games we've done really Yes, in fact, I hate this so much, I want to bump Mortal Kombat up to it, too. Oh, my God. You don't have to... There, there's plenty of room for ones. <laughs> so, I are you are you rating this a one continue? Uh, I'd rate it uh, a negative one if I could, but I'm rating it a one. No, one is the absolute lowest you can go ever, so that is essentially hence the equivalent. Reason why, hence the reason why I said, if I could. Yeah. If we made the scale, say, negative one to four, then... Or, no, actually, it'd be negative one to three. This game sucks. <laughs> yeah, I really hate reading reviews and say, oh, if I could only give... If I could give this zero stars, I would... Well, give it the lowest possible rating. That's the same thing. Come on. Just like video reviews or whatever, they got like a 10, a one to 10 scale, and they rate something like a 3.5. I mean, you've already got a one to 10 scale. Yeah. I mean, why do you need the point fives? Yeah, seriously. Good grief. Oh, but um, anyway, I'm a little bit more unhateful of this game, but I knew right away you were going to hate it when, as soon as I started playing it. The fact is, I do want to cover games that either of us hate because, hey, we're right. equal opportunity video game podcasters. Oh, I mean, yeah. No, I, I, I don't, don't disagree. I very unwillingly agree. Well, not unwillingly agreed. You can't do that. I very reluctantly agreed to talk about Professor Pac-Man. So, right. yeah. But Portman, 
I'm going to give it a three out of five continues because it's unique. There's no other game like it really, really, when you think about it. You said the game is unique. Once upon a time, there was an episode of Kitchen Nightmares where Gordon Ramsay went to a restaurant called Sebastian's in Hollywood. Well, this restaurant had this menu. It was a pizza joint, and they didn't have the typical, you know, select the size and put the toppings. They had flavor combinations. And um, and the waitress came out and said, we have a unique menu. We got this flavor combinations thing going on. And uh, Gordon looks at the menu and says, boy, this is unique. And then later on, the owner of the restaurant is complaining, like, Gordon even said that the, the menu was unique. And I'm like thinking, unique doesn't mean good. That's true. <laughs> well, first of all, your, your tip-off should have been that it was a pizza place in California anyway. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> God, that episode. Wasn't as good as the Amy's Baking Company episode. It was close. But- <laughs> it was close. At, near the end of the episode, Gordon was like, there's nobody I've ever met that I have as little confidence in as you. <laughs> so, at any rate, I hate this game. So, And you kind of like it. I, I'm okay with it. I, I think it could have been better. My problem with it is it just it's just too... The overall gameplay... I. I it, <sighs> I don't want to say necessarily slow, but I'm going to call it slow because it just seems like it takes forever to get anything done. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. This is a slow Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it is slow. slow as molasses and not quite as tasty. Yeah, and man, seriously, I... A lot of what I'm saying is essentially me patting myself so I can actually have something to say (laughs) because there's... Seriously... There is nothing out there about this game. <laughs> we don't know anything. We don't there as far as I know there are no home ports, there are no sequels. I think the only game we know even less about is Uncle Pooh. Yeah, really. Really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we even know more about those bizarre porno games we talked about. Hell, we don't even know much about the game that Uncle Pooh is based on. Yeah, oh, I, that is a fun that's an interesting game though. We should talk about it. It is. Join them. Let's Uncle Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, Uncle Pooh is actually a fun game to play, really. It's decent. It gets it's, repetitive, it's cre- but it, it's, it's creative. Decent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it weren't that uh, the firing mechanism is fart bubbles. But, hey, what do I know? Uh, <laughs> I do know this, that there are some high scores out there for, uh, um, what the heck is that? Uh, the game we're talking Portman, a.k.a. Docman. That's why I'm going to the Portman The Twin to- Galaxies record is held by Steve Bianucci, whose score was submitted on March 22nd, 1984, with uh, 250,000 even. And uh, there's a score submitted on Orcade.com by Andrew Ivashko. I'm going to guess that's, that's how it's pronounced. Uh, on April 26, 2021, Andrew scored 263,060. Man. Andrew and Steve, man, you hear that? That's me applauding you for sticking it out for so long, long enough to score that high on this game. Because, man, I don't think I could ever do it. Even if I were skilled enough to do that, I don't think I would have the patience. I really don't. How do you play a game like like this or Space Invaders or whatever, play it for so long and just not get bored? Space Invaders, I can see not getting bored. But Portman, I don't know if I'd so much get bored playing this too long as I would get annoyed playing mm-hmm. it too long. Yeah, true. 
And uh, hey, Jimmy G, <laughs> where and when did you first play Portman? Galloping Ghost a few weeks ago. Yeah, same here, except um, I think I played it at Galloping Ghost maybe about a year ago-ish. Mm-hmm. Maybe I so, did play it a year ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, because I, I gave it a shot and I sucked big time at it. But I thought, I, st- I should still try this. We should talk about this on Pie Factory Podcast at some point. Oh, by the way, Sean, have I told you I hate you lately? <sighs> We're going to get back to that uh, after we talk about some of our feedback. Uh-oh. Actually, I think it's the only feedback we got, actually, for this. Oh, no, we got... Oh, for this game, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Are we done with this? I Yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with okay. Portman. So, let's... Uh, hold on a second. What was this one? Yeah, I really think that if I spend much more time with Portman and get to at least... Because I'll tell you this. I think my high score is something like 5,000-something. I couldn't be arsed to record mine. Yeah, if, if I can get myself skilled enough to be able to make it to, say, a five-digit score, I'd probably rate this game lower than a three. Mm-hmm. Because I can see right now playing it long enough that I would say, man, this game really sucks. <laughs> the way I see it is Portman has promise. Unfortunately, it's a broken promise. <laughs> but still, you know, it's because of that promise that I rate it as high as a three. You made me. Promises, Anywho, uh, Jimmy G, what, what what else do we have? What what do we have next? What about the theme? You didn't tell me what the theme for this oh, episode was. Oh, yeah, the was. theme. Should we talk about the theme now or get to the feedback first? Let's do the theme first because okay. I'm yeah. curious. All right, yeah, the theme is, it's a simple theme, but it it's verbose for me to explain. It involves video games in which you are throwing a ball upwards that may cause something else to fall down for you to catch. You have mm-hmm. the power-ups in Arkanoid and the dynamite boxes in Portman. I'll forgive you for this one. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh, a great game and a terrible one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, listeners. I'm sorry for this episode. I'm apologizing in advance. Not that we didn't try, mind you, because we yeah. did. Lord knows I did. Well, thing is, why don't we uh, hear what uh, one listener has to say? Yes, and hear what he has to say, because we have an audio submission Yes, from somebody yes. you've never heard on this podcast before. But if you listen to the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, you know who this is. Yeah. And if you listen to another podcast, you know who this is, too. Because he is a podcaster. Yeah, and if you listen to an, yet another one, you know who he is, because I've heard him on at least three different podcasts. Really? Now four. Now four. But well, anyway, yeah, uh, let's just get right into it. Uh, listener, please... Um... Sign in. Oh, hey, Pie Factory. I wanted to talk about a couple of games, one from the previous episode and one from the current one. Stun Runner was a Lynx game that I was really into back in the early 90s, and I played it a lot because I was so thoroughly amazed by how great it was. Between the the music and the speech and the raw speed, it was a real showcase title. Welcome, Dunrunner. Good luck. I could go into more detail, but this isn't really a Lynx podcast. It's an arcade podcast. So around that time, my parents were going through a divorce, which is bad, of course. But the upside is that I got to spend some more time with my dad than I usually did up until that point. This would have been between my freshman and sophomore years in high school. 
since he was no longer living at home, we would see him on weekends, me and my siblings, and usually like one at a time, one-on-one on the weekends. On one of my weekends, we went to the arcade, Aladdin's Castle, at the local mall. See, I liked video games. He used to a decade or so earlier, so that's where we went. We didn't... I really don't think we played any games together, more like we kind of hung out and he watched me play a few games. One of those games, the one I really remember playing on that day, was Stun Runner. After having played it so much on the links, it was exciting to see it in the arcade, even more so because it was a sit-down cabinet. The, the polygon graphics were so clean and fast and high-tech, and it had all the music and sounds and voices from the Lynx game, but better. It cost, I think, 50 cents to play, so I only got two tries at it and didn't do nearly as well as I did on the Lynx, but still, oh, it was so cool. I always thought that the acronym STUN, S-T-U-N, stood for Subterranean Underground Network, and I thought this because, well, that's what it said in the Lynx manual, which was also a poster. So when you said it was Spread Tunnel Underground Network, that caught me off guard, so I had to double check, and yeah, sure enough, Subterranean Underground Network, right there in the Lynx manual poster. It always bugged me, seemed awfully redundant, wow, it's both subterranean and underground, So I think I like the spread tunnel version of that acronym better. Maybe it's the nostalgia speaking, but I would give Stunrunner a full five continues. I love this game, but I've never quite been able to beat it because the the timer is pretty darn strict. And many times I've come to a stop just before the finish line and lost the game. And you're right, it would have been awesome to see a native Jaguar version of this game. Seems like it would have fit right in with the types of games Jaguar was designed to run, but I don't have any evidence that Atari ever really considered such a port. And speaking of ports, kind of, the next game I'd like to talk about is Portman. I was excited to hear that you'd be discussing Portman because I had no idea this game even existed, and I like learning about new-to-me arcade games, so I had to try it out. I have a fairly recent arcade one-up cabinet, and without getting into too much detail, I was able to find an exploit in unhandled error state in the cabinet, which let me take over and install my own software. Soft mod, you could call it, since I can restore it to its original state with just a little typey-typey. This cabinet runs Android behind the scenes, so I had loaded MAME for Droid on it, and when I learned that you'd be covering Portman, I uploaded that one for uh, evaluation and review purposes only, of course. Portman is... This is a weird game, it makes no sense, but I love seeing different gameplay mechanics within single-screen games because that's a pretty big constraint. No scrolling or panning or anything. How do you make a fun and interesting game that's not like just another shooter or maze game? I had some questions. Why is that dude on the boat throwing rocks at us? Where do the rocks even come from? Who's the woman that kicks him off? How much audacity does that cargo ship have, flagrantly disregarding the conservation of momentum as it moves back and forth. My son scoffed at the physics-defying movement of this boat. He's um, learning to fly aircraft right now, actual aircraft, so he takes the laws of physics pretty seriously. Fifteen years old. When I was fifteen, the only flying I was doing was through tunnels in a subterranean underground network. Or is it a spread tunnel underground network? Not sure. Finally, my final question How strong is our guy at the bottom of the screen to catch those cases and hurl them back up? Even a Marvel superhero would grunt and yell as he threw those things around, but nary a peep from our hard-working luggage lugger. All that said, I have grown rather fond of this game. I didn't like it at first, not at all. My first playthrough ended up with like 
200 points and 400 on my second try, but then I got the hang of catching and throwing. You've got to time the catch. So I started to enjoy the game more. I like how the luggage carts flash when they activate, and I also like how you don't need exact change to fill up a berth. Anything that doesn't fit is simply cast overboard. Problem solved. I'm pretty sure I was able to knock the rock thrower off of the ship by completing a berth with him in front of it at the time, but I've only been able to pull that off once. I haven't quite been able to finish the second stage yet either, but it got pretty close though. So yeah, this one grew on me. It's a weird game to be sure, but it's not like any other single screen game that I've seen before. So I've got to say thank you for bringing it up. I'd give it four continues out of five. Okay, shall I reveal the theme for this audio submission? The theme is two games which uh, both have... uh, I got nothing. Thank you, Shinto. Yeah, seriously, I was honored to hear from him. Oh, heck yeah. Seriously. When I first heard Shinto give feedback on uh, the Atari 2600 Game by Game Mm -hmm. podcast, my first thought was, why does this guy not have a podcast? (laughs) <laughs> and he does now the Atari Jaguar game the by Jag. game podcast. Yep. The episodes aren't very frequent, but when they are, they are really something to listen to. They are on the, a bit on the longer side, but they're no Intellivisionaries. No, 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 no. I, yeah. I don't think there's enough hours in the day to listen to the Intellivisionaries. I think they're going to come up with a whole new month just so you can listen <laughs> to that one. They're going to a metric calendar to fit the Intellivisionaries in. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, thank you, Shinto. It was great hearing yeah, from you. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate the feedback. Yeah, did we mention before that uh, Stun Runner would cost 50 cents to play? You know what? I don't think we did because I don't remember that. I must have played it for the first time after it had been out for a while because I don't remember ever spending 50 cents on it. So Yeah, and um, also I never played it until the era of pay one price arcades. Uh-huh. And if I did encounter it when it was out and I was interested in playing it, I probably would have turned away when I realized it was 50 cents. Mm-hmm. Such a fun game, though. So, yeah, thank you. And uh, and I'm surprised that uh, Shinto thought that Portman was worth a four out of five. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I mean I'm, I'm glad that somebody enjoyed it that much. And uh, Shinto, in fact, I'm going to tell you and all the other listeners, I actually apologized to Jim before we recorded <laughs> this. Like, there were a couple of, maybe a week or two ago, I said, first of all, let me, he didn't say a word about Portman at all. He didn't get back to me and say, man, this game sucks. He didn't t- say a thing about it, but I still said, I apologize in advance if you hadn't played Portman yet. So, <laughs> yeah, that when I said we'll get back to it, that's what I was talking about. But yeah, and yeah, Arcade 1-Up and hacking that Arcade 1-Up, that seems to be, I think everybody who has one of those does some mm. kind of a hack to it. Like, I had a coworker uh, in my previous job that I had earlier this year who almost every day was giving everybody updates on how his Arcade 1-Up was uh, progressing. Again, I'd love to see somebody hack the Star Wars one to run uh, Stun Runner, Paperboy, and Firefox. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Because those are three games that can use that controller. Sure. Paperboy would be a fun one to have at home. I bet the handles are a bit of a pain in the ass to probably to maintain. Yeah. But man, I'd st- I still I prefer the Commodore 64 version. So why don't we uh, we have another feedback? This one we have to read though. Oh, before we get into that though, we welcome audio submission because yeah, absolutely. that means we don't have to talk. And yep. I know you would rather listen to other people talk than to us. Especially Shinto. Yeah, you would rather listen to him <laughs> than us. <laughs> so uh, we got uh, a uh, email from Plaid Mouse. 
Oh, we do. Okay. Yes. Um, why, why did I not see that? Because it was set November 7th. November 7th. I could have sworn. 8.31 a.m. Oh, you know what? It's because I moved it in my PFP folder. That's why I didn't see it. No, I actually, no, I didn't. It's not there. You know what? I'll read it. Dear Jim and Sean, greetings. Happy birthday, Sean. Oh, thank you. I am belated in wishing it to you. Hope this email finds you doing well. Here are my thoughts on Arkanoid and Portman. Arkanoid, this is one of my favorite arcade games. I'm not very good at it, but most likely not being that great at hand-eye coordination or reaction time. Oh, I found it. Okay. But I enjoy it immensely. I remember playing it as a kid in a local restaurant slash bar in Tufkinamon, Pennsylvania. New Garden Township between Avondale and Kennett Square in Chester County, Pennsylvania. I can't Pennsylvania. believe there's a town name you don't know how to pronounce without taking it slow. Oh, well. Mr. Maps. <laughs> I always enjoyed the scant storyline in which you control Voss, which escaped from the mothership Arkanoid. Wonder if Noah and his family were on board. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. That's actually might be why they name it that. Uh, kind of a Battlestar Galactica thing going on there, which is also a bit of the retelling of the Noah story. Huh. But at any rate, and end up fighting Doe. Fast forward many, many years. I bought a copy for my Nintendo Famicom while living in Nio- Ni- Nagoya, Nagoya, Aichi, Aichi Prefecture. Prefecture, Japan. For my son and me, this is one of our favorite games to play together, along with Nintendo Baseball from 1983. Oh, I really like that baseball. I really like how Arkanoid, in my opinion, improved on Breakout and Super Breakout. It's not only very colorful and dynamic, but the different shapes of the blocks you need to break. Spoiler, love the Space Invader shape on Stage 5. Oh, I forgot oh, yeah, about that. yeah. And all the different power-ups, etc. make this a great game. Five out of five continues. I got 18,100 points when I last played it on main, but I can usually get to 26,000 or more when playing it on my Famicom. Oh, by the way, there's a cheat on the Famicom uh, you can use to skip to the next level. Uh, oh, I really? believe you have to have the uh, the regular controller plugged into the second port. And uh, hit uh, A and start. No, that's a continue. I think it's A and start on the second controller, I believe. Because I remember I used to cheat on that one a lot. Oh, by the way, the re- one thing that would have pushed me over the edge and given this a five out of five is if the game did not come to an end. If it would like maybe start you continue. over. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. But anyway, continuing to Portman. I had never heard of Portman, but there it was on my very old copy of MAME. I don't find it quite as intuitive as Arkanoid. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> It is not intuitive, but it's still easy to figure out, and once you do it, it's a lot of fun. Again, there's variety in this game, as in Arkanoid, albeit the variety is found in the level design and how you stack the packages on the ship, how you catch said packages, etc. The animations are cute, too, especially when the girl comes out and beats the jerk through rocks at you. Four out of five continues. I got 2,100 points, so I'll need to practice a bit more. One last piece of trivia. The way the name of Portman and actress Natalie Portman's family name are spelled in Japanese... Katakana are exactly the same. Oh, wow. Hmm. Thanks for introducing me and so many other people to obscure games like Portman and classics like Arkanoid. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on these games in episode 134, which this email will be a part of, no doubt. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Finally, the Marmite you sent is still yummy, though my wife found Vegemite at a new grocery store that recently opened up just two miles down the road, so it has some competition. Talk with you guys soon. Very respectfully, Plaid Mouse. You know, uh, when I got that Marmite, there was also a jar of Vegemite next to it. And I was kind of pondering, should I get the Vegemite too? But I was like, yeah, I'll just stick with Marmite for now. Maybe I'd like the Vegemite more. You never know. Uh, then again, maybe not. Maybe not. I like Limburger cheese. It I don't think I've ever had like Limburger. It. it smells horrible, but it actually tastes halfway decent. It hmm. still can't eat a whole lot of it, but, you know, it still tastes decent. 
So with that, thank you, first of all, for your, uh, for your submissions. And if anybody would like to uh, send us a submission, you can email us at uh, piefactory at fab4, that's the number four, it.com, or piefactorypodcast at fab4it.com. And everybody that listens to the podcast or has for some time know the reason why we have two separate email addresses yeah. that go to the same place. It's because I'm dumb and I can't remember things. Hey, I can't remember things either. It's, we were both thinking, wait, which address is it? You know what, screw it. Let's just set up two Let's addresses. Have a second one. Just in case we get it wrong. So, yeah. yeah, audio submissions are always welcome. It's less work for us. <laughs> well, it was more work for Hyde, though. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we yeah, haven't talked about cheap. Hyde. No, I guess we have not talked about Hyde. No. Yeah, Hyde... Um, it, you know what? Say what you will about Hyde. It's uh, it's it is nice that he gets us a nice cheese basket every uh, every Christmas. That is true. Uh, granted, Hyde, um, if, granted, Hyde, if you're listening, all... put some Limburger in there because I want to try that. Well, I was going to say usually it's like a slice of Velveeta or something, but uh, it's which still is not it, cheese. it's still it's cheese food. But I oh, mean, it's God, the thought dude. that counts. Speaking of which, I just recently found out what St. Louis style pizza is. And it's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to have that crap. Oh, what is it? I think it's on that cracker style crust for one thing, that really, oh. really, really thin stuff. And it uses Parvel. You know what that is? Never heard of it. It's essentially another kind of Velveeta thing. It's like, oh. I think it's like mozzarella and Swiss or something. It's. I think meh. I heard of a, 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 a pizza style called Rochester style, and it uses like uh, American slices instead of mozzarella. Like actual, like real American or like the Kraft Singles type of thing. Like the Kraft Singles. Ah, which cannot legally be marketed as cheese in this country, by the way. So, yeah, I'm like, no. Pizza's got to have, I would say, either cheddar, mozzarella, or feta. Or a combination. Or a combination. Oh, Uh, Asiago, Parmesan. Oh, I love Parmesan. And seriously, um, I got this idea from uh, No Swear Gamer, actually. Oh? Bacon makes an amazing pizza topping. I never thought of that until No Swear oh, Gamer mentioned it, before. it once. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Oh my god, it's such it's an good. amazing topping. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's hey, definitely where, where good. Where were we? Oh yeah, we were. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, so we read the emails. Uh, yeah. So we should thank let's, uh, uh, some. Let, let's thank some people. Yeah, and uh, by the way, the reason we can afford to keep Hyde is because of these people that uh, we're going to be thanking right here, such as uh, the guys at the Retro Game Club podcast and PJ Steele, Richard Valdez, Underground Retro Cade, Kurt Musgrave, New thank Balance you. Stores, Phoenix. Thank you. Uh, excuse me. Thank you. Nate Lockhart. Thank you. Daniel Chavis, Rory Coleman, Mike Hat NJ. Thank you. Assuming that the NJ stands for what I think it is, I'm going to be roughly in his neck of the woods in a few days. Actually, in two days. (laughs) Timmy Mack, thank you. Richard Grounds, thank you. Art Guglielmo, thank you. Christian Williams, Atari Bytes, and the SNES podcast, thank you. Keith Sheehan, thank thank you. you. Um, D. Alex, Mark Super, Kevin Bean, and our newest... Patreon supporter, Plaid Mouse, thank, thank you. you. Thank every single one of you so much for your support. Oh, uh, and I might want to add something here. Uh, well, I'm going to add something here. I started going uh, back to the gym recently. Oh, uh, just, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, just hitting the, the stationary bikes for now because I don't know if I can Okay, really so it's do, not like, the elliptical. Wait. No. Okay. No. But uh, for an early Christmas present, my uh, wife got me some... Uh, New Balance shoes. Oh, yeah. And I thought they were going to, she got me a 13, which I, if I have to have like a wide 13 or a 14, uh, they looked a little small, but I tried them on, they fit well, and they are comfortable as heck. So if you're in Phoenix, hit the, hit up the New Balance stores. 
Yeah. This, yeah. I did. These were paid for. These were not gifts. So. Yeah. My, my new balances are paid for as well. They're not, they weren't gifts and I don't, I'm not asking for gifts, No, no. <laughs> but I, just, I, I do have to say they are literally the only shoes I can wear because I have the weirdest arches. They might not be the most stylish thing in the world, but when yeah. you're walking on clouds, you don't care. Yeah. Cause when I have to go get them, my wife rolls her eyes. She's like, Oh my God, you're wearing those suburban dad shoes. It's like, I have to, there's no other shoe out there that supports my bizarre arches. You know, you, you know what you should do? You should that, you should tell her, okay, well, let's go get some Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, oh, they're, oh God, they're so freaking comfortable. I mean, I can wear other shoes, but eventually if I do, then my feet are going to get all crazy. I have to ask our patron, does uh, New Balance actually make hiking boots? Oh, huh. I would be down for some of those. Yeah, the, yeah. those I of you love- who work for New Balance Stores Phoenix, uh, answer Jimmy G's question, PyFactory at Fab4IT.com. And we're also, by the way, on uh, Twitter at uh, PyFactoryPFP. Well, I think that's uh, our booth announcer says that. Uh, we are not on the newfangled um, social media, at least not yet. We're not on Mastodon or co-host. Uh, we probably be looking for that, too. But uh, we do have a Discord server. Um, the only thing is the invite code always changes, so... Uh, uh, you can always hit us up for an invite if you want. <laughs> and also keep in mind, up in the future, we will be doing eventually a uh, Q&A kind of... Uh, We're still, uh, ask, it's still in the plans. Anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. still in the plans. But I think that's it. Should we uh, wrap up and uh, give away what we're going to talk about uh, for our next uh, regularly scheduled episode? Yeah, this might be a little obvious of a of a freaking... Uh, uh, I'm missing freaking a lot tonight uh, theme, but uh, we're going to be talking about the game's Vindicators mm-hmm. and Assault. Ooh, Assault. Assault. Ooh. Yeah, this cable for the, my headphones is getting really in the way tonight. Is it assaulting you? <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah, ah. I see. Now I got to clean my glasses. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, so uh, support your local arcade. And uh, what do you got to say? Strontium. Ooh, nice. Bye-bye. Dudes. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy CTA Holiday Train, composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Addenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at PieFactoryPFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com slash PieFactoryPodcast. And end up fighting dough. Or, <clears throat> dough! Okay, at some point in the podcast, Hyde's going to have to replace at least one of those with Homer Simpson. You well, know it says that. dough. It doesn't say annoyed grunt. If the conveyor belt runs out of packages before they're all birthed, let me start that. Let me say that again. <laughs> that was incorrect. And now, another episode of Burp Along with Sean. Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy G. And I've got uh, got some uh, friends here with me. I've got Mr. Rabbit, Miss Bunny, and Petey the Puffin. And they are all my little friends. So, uh, Mr. Rabbit, why don't you say something? Hello, I'm Mr. Rabbit. I am Jimmy G's friend. I really like to stay around here and listen to him broadcast. Oh, well, thank you very much, Mr. Rabbit. Why, thank you very much, Jimmy. Uh, or shall I call you... My lord and savior. Uh, That's going a little too heavy there, Mr. Rabbit. Oh, that is fine.
Um, maybe Miss Bunny would like to say something. No, I don't really want to say anything. That is fine. How about you, Petey? Well, yes, I would like to say ah! something. Ah! Oh, you just interrupted Petey the Puffin. Well, tough. Petey the Puffin should know that we're recording. I was having a nice interview with Mr. Rabbit, Miss Bunny, and Petey the Puffin. Do that outside of Pie Factory time, dude. Well, it's not my fault I didn't have a drink that's real cold not next to me. Or something like that. Uh. I didn't do that either. <laughs>